The theme for the afternoon talk is what is a deep experience? Quite uh, regularly I have the opportunity to uh, uh, listen to uh, the experiences of uh, people who have had experiences in other places and environments and situations uh, with other teachers on courses and uh, retreats and one of those which I had a woman uh, came to me and uh, she said that her teacher a teacher of non-duality Advaita as it is called uh, here in India and in that uh, tradition satsangs are held sat means truth sang is like sangha so the meetings of people interested in truth in the uh, group that uh, she uh, was in she had some uh, questions and with those questions she uh, came uh, up to the front and she asked her uh, teacher uh, the questions and with that his uh, response uh, to that he said to her as she reported along the, along the lines you are not your body you are not your mind you are not your emotions are there then she responded then some other questions were she, uh, she asked and when the exchange came to its close he, he said to her um, you are not your body you are not your mind or your heart there you are pure consciousness you are pure consciousness this is your true self and she uh, uh, responded she said that she was in tears she was deeply touched by the words and the power uh, of his words she said I realised the truth of what he was uh, 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 telling me and it really uh, affected me uh, deeply and she said it was really the most uh, important experience uh, of her life and afterwards in meeting and talking with uh, people th this situation took place here in India uh, there but exchange with uh, uh, others others were appreciative of the exchange and of the confirmation of her experience and, and this realisation of pure consciousness as one's true self uh, the uh, Advaita teacher said you are liberated this is liberation this is uh, enlightenment uh, there and this stayed with her she told me for some days weeks and months during the period of time that she was here in uh, India and then afterwards went back to her home city uh, in, in the west 
and then gradually, and these things happen humanly and understandably enough, a little voice of doubt began to creep in. And what contributed to this feeling and sense of, sense of doubt uh, was that she felt she was beginning to lose contact with her true self, her pure consciousness, and some of the old habits and patterns which she wasn't experiencing in India began to uh, uh, emerge, and this was very, she told me, very, very uncomfortable for her because she began to experience <coughs> what she thought had finished, and what she said was began, beginning to experience a duality this is my true self and this is my old self my old habits, my old patterns my old <coughs> divisions and this became the struggle and a difficult one an existential one a, 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 a spiritual one and as that struggle increased she found it more difficult to get back to that experience with the Advaita teacher of the non-duality in which this is your true self true consciousness and I think in these kind of circumstances and, ex and experiences as I say it's very common it's not, not that it's uh, 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 rare with all the sincerity and all the confirmation that in this case from a teacher uh, there and all the sense of the truth of something for uh, the, per, uh, the person that in a way in the event which takes place this means an exchange, a satsang or a meditation retreat or a course or whatever it might be it genuinely can be extraordinarily difficult as with other things to know how deep something is specifically spiritual specifically deeply uh, inside and it's this a uh, little bit this afternoon that I want to touch upon with you and uh, uh, explore with you I'd just like to go to the past for a moment or two um, and then uh, to the present um, probably undoubtedly probably um, a number of you have had um, a variety of experiences uh, there and some of these I'm talking about have healthy, significant, beautiful, important uh, experiences these can take place in a variety of environments and these environments could be of course on a retreat um, they could be in nature could be in the intimacy of a communication with another, could be found in a line of uh, uh, poetry, could happen just about anywhere, just about, in fact, could happen anywhere uh, there, in which something occurs in the deep of the human being which is clear and obvious and tangible there, and, and it really feels important sometimes these deep experiences in life really, not all of them but really can serve as a real turning point in one's life and 
pardon me, a number of the aspects of this. One is, we might remember those experiences. <coughs> it could be, let's just say, um, on the retreat, since it's the current environment, or in the nature, or wherever. And even though it's not deliberate and intentional, there could be a wish to re-experience the old experience. And so sometimes you know, uh, uh, teachers will say, well, that's past, it's gone, you're just clinging, you're just holding on to this old experience, whatever uh, it might be, just let it go. Easier said than done. And so one's engaged in the meditations, dwelling, let us say, in the silence, and it just keeps arising. The arising of the old, which was valuable and important for you, doesn't mean to say that you're, there is a desire to repeat. Generally speaking, when there is some repetition of an old experience, landing um, in, in the present, it's it's a kind of messenger. It's calling on us, not always, but calling on us to look at it. That's why it's arising. Not in order to repeat it, but to use the, the words of the Buddha, to squeeze the honey out of it. And it might be necessary and quite important with an experience which is old, which is re-arising, and that could be last week, last month, decades ago, to recognize that experience, to acknowledge its uh, arising. And the arising may be saying to you, there is more insight to be found here. There is more understanding to be found here. What does that need to be clear about? What is this old telling me which I didn't see at the time and I haven't seen subsequently uh, there. With the power of the mindfulness and it is a power, it's a great power uh, uh, in fact and with enough power with the silence and the equanimity the directing of the mindfulness to the old experience, which is important for you, which you have a sense there is that honey to be squeezed out from it, that means more insight and understanding, the raising of the question requires from us a enough inner quietitude to stay steady, to listen deeply for the answer. And there is a way of knowing what the answer is or what the insight is. Sometimes we listen inwardly. We really have a specific situation that took place for us. And in the uh, receptivity to that specific situation, a thought or an idea may come about it, or this is what it means, but we know it's a little bit theoretical. We know it's a bit um, abstract, or it might be, or a possibility. 
And if it is, that is what's coming up, it is not the quote-unquote answer. An answer genuinely has a feeling tone which resonates well and it's really clear. If an insight or an understanding from the past arises, there is some genuine sense, it doesn't have to be big, but it's extremely clear, yes. There is an affirmation from the being, something more has been understood that wasn't understood, and when there's no doubt about it. It's, and one knows, this is not theoretical, it's not an idea, it's not just a view and opinion, whoa, huh, I see clearly. Ah, and one feels um, kind of better for that. The other, in relationship to the past and deep uh, 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 experiences, and I do hope you are making time while you are here for some reflections uh, on the past there, that another contribution with regard to this is you're looking at the past. Remember the past is a storehouse of your life experiences your memories, your living, and in that vast field of all that's happened in your life, there is a tremendous amount for insight and reflection and discovery which can inform your day-to-day -day life. It's not a matter of just being here and now as though that's some ultimate purpose. That's a very restricted and narrow uh, view of our potential. So when we look to the past and we reflect uh, there, another feature which is Im uh, important uh, with regard to this is in the looking there and something touches us, it doesn't necessarily have to be for us a kind of strong experience. We, you know, quite often, of course, in this um, passion, passion might be a polite word for addiction, in this uh, passion for sensations, emotional, mental experiences, the, the wanting of a strong sensation. And pl plenty of times, in the past, that could be yesterday, the day before, or earlier, we may have strong experiences because of the strength of the feeling and the contact and the impact that it had on us. And we might even say to ourselves or to our friends or teacher or whoever, <coughs> this experience <coughs> which I had was so important and so significant it really changed my life. And there are such experiences, but such experiences, when they are deep, these experiences are not dependent on the strength of the feeling, emotional uh, intensity or impact at that time. It is not the confirmation of a deep experience. It might seem at the time incredibly dramatic, it might appear at the time <coughs> life-changing, and that 
may shake up there. One, I remember one of the people, one of the retreats, <laughs> made me smile. He said, Christopher, he said, I'm having an incredibly intense experience. He said, my kundalini is rising up through my spine there, and all six chakras are spinning wildly, etc. I said, yes, and any insight? Not much, I have to say. <laughs> so, so, sometimes there may be the strength of the experiences uh, which are there. But it's, and that could be the turning point. And as I say, they can arise in a variety of ways, and I, uh, I suppose because I'm out of the hippie culture that I have to make some reference to drugs as also for some people some turning point in their, uh, in their life. Uh, it's a fact and I do apologise. So, <laughs> not my personal interest, that area, but anyway. So, with that, we know the change from the past to the present in which there is a deep experience and one of the confirmations of the deep experience, whether it's intense and strong as I just described, or whether it's rather quiet, barely a thought, a short intention, the one confirmation of its authenticity in many cases is that it is a break with the past. That confirms something deep has occurred to you. It is a break with the unsatisfactory old. There is a change inside and that break with the past gives the opportunity and the potential for something new. This deep experience sometimes, and this is the extraordinary thing of the human being, it may, not be it may not be felt. It's not that we have to rely on feeling and emotion and something strong. We may not feel it, but it rapidly can change us. One of the examples of this can be listening to teachings. A person comes in might be the retreat, or course, or a workshop, or a public talk, or whatever the venue might be. The person just sits down and, to quote the Buddha, one lends an ear. See, very generous. Okay. Leave one ear somewhere else, but just lend one ear to the words. And in the act of, uh, of the listening... Uh, there. There may not be any feeling, any emotion. There is no rush of, oh yes, absolutely amazing, thank you, da da da. There. Nothing whatsoever is felt. One walks out of that hall, out of that uh, uh, environment, and one's life has been changed, and one cannot even remember what was said that changed it. All that one does know is one was in a hall, sitting to somebody, saying something useful, it resonated well with you, had no feeling about it, 
you walked out and you think, I've got a new life. Something's happened. But I, I don't know what, but I do know something has sparked. So it can be strong and intense. It can be as soft and as light as a single thought, the deep, and sometimes neither strong nor weak. It's just, well, nothing in the sensory world to confirm it. But as I say, one aspect of this is that it is, and truth is liberating, that's its only function. It's not a construction of words. You can't find it in a, a book. You can't find it in a tradition, in a religion, in a, a, a set of beliefs. None of that is to, anything to do with truth. Truth has its function in the field of existence to free up. When there is a freeing up of the being, some truth has touched. Maybe word, with words, or maybe without. And so the truth liberates, the truth sets us free. With the change, we want to be receptive to this, especially when it's subtle. With the change that comes, sometimes it is a change of view. This is very important here. <coughs> I hope the rest of it is as well. And it can be a change of view. And what I mean by that, the break from the past, one of the important breaks, is the break from unhealthy, unsatisfactory, unnecessary and unwanted habit patterns. This is a break. And with that unhealthy, unskillful, uh, unwholesome uh, habit uh, uh, patterns, we sometimes say to ourselves and to each other, gosh, I've got this habit inside of me or this pattern inside of me and it's really deep inside of me. The language, this experience, or this, sorry, this habit, which is really deep inside of me, is a naming of it in an unhelpful way. The very tendency to determine that something is deep inside of oneself m exaggerates its importance. It makes it more of a problem by saying it's really, really deep. It makes it harder to work with because of the strength of the view and one really believes it and sometimes one has to remember deep it might be if we use that language that naming form I prefer not to but if we use that but one thing for sure it's nowhere near as deep as liberation it is nowhere near as deep as awakening it's nowhere near as deep as the realisation of truth deep it might be but it's never that deep. It's not in the same class. But we, the self, the ego, the I and my, humanly enough, attribute something as very, very uh, deep. If we can <coughs> quietly, <coughs> pardon me, not name it in that way, it might just give a little bit more space 
a little bit more reactive, a little bit less reactivity about it. And then it can be, and this is one of the important aspects of the teachings here, you recognise it's a regular, frequent habit and pattern. One person may call it living in stress. Another person may call it anxiety. Another person may call it uh, blaming of the other. Another person may call it constantly putting myself down. Another person may call it being really uh, needy. Another person may call it um, just full of a lot of uh, self-doubt or being unhappy or whatever. So we look at the condition of the being there. We recognise that this is a regular way of looking at myself there or looking at life (laughs) or or a, a situation and when it has that kind of repetition to it and if we wish to make a break with the past it may be really important to recognise this pattern to name it to be clear about it and to say this practice which I'm engaged in is going to give extra mindfulness extra care extra expiration of this pattern until this pattern no longer has any grip over my life quite often and very very understandably and easily though the pattern is changing that habit whatever it might be about when we're not under the influence of of course we're grateful and we appreciate it and we have a feeling of, of uh, relief and which is important to recognise it, it cannot always be present it is not possible but it is also to uh, recognise uh, as well in the times when it's not present what ways can I explore this there and if sometimes with certain patterns if it's not being explored you will know it by what you do that's the most gross subtle expression of it what you do the second not far behind is what you say and the third is what you think giving any attention to any difficult pattern which one really wants to see the emptiness of to use the Buddha's teachings here uh, uh, of it we're going to take a real interest in it and we're going to see how is that affecting what I do how is it affecting the voice what I say how is it affecting the thoughts that I have and if we really take each one of those body, speech and mind to use the Buddha's word here we take each one of those we can go much more subtle with it so it might still influence the thought but it's not going to speech it might influence speech but it's not going to what we do bodily action uh, there and if we're really tracking in a subtle way the thoughts and after all they are only thoughts and if there is enough clarity 
there'd be enough clarity to be able to say honestly and sincerely a thought is just a thought it is no more it is no less it is a thought but it is just a thought and that recognition that the thought is just a thought is the beginning of the end of that habit and pattern one starts to know it's just a thought I don't have to live in it I don't have to believe in it I don't have to speak from it I don't have to act from it because I've seen and know clearly a thought is just a thought it never was anything more than that it never will be anything more than that and that knowing uh, of that then the weight the history the unhappiness the depressions and the, uh, and the blaming of the other or whatever it starts to lose authority over your life in, in, in the light of awareness or consciousness or mindfulness of sharing of experience of uh, insight and uh, understanding no habit and pattern can last under it we have a tremendous potential collectively and individually to really change and of course in the public world we have an army of people and including probably quite a few of you who are in here who are really dedicated to forms of service to help people come out of habits and patterns and unhappiness and difficulties in a whole variety of ways. And we need all of these skills that we have. <coughs> With the present, present, um, uh, here and now pr uh, uh, present uh, uh, as well, Questions um, fairly regularly get uh, get asked, get asked of myself and uh, uh, others uh, here. And what I have in uh, mind here, sometimes with the language is these rather big words, again we have to be careful with the naming process, that in a I'm going to have to use this word for a moment, forgive me. Liberated way of life, free way of life, and living with uh, wisdom or whatever. It is important in the naming process to open, expand out the concepts there. Because when we don't, we set up the gap, and the gap is here I am, this human being, doing my practices, passing through my daily life and uh, exploring the path. There may be the naming of the goal. One says, I want a deep experience of that, I want to uh, achieve that. And if some of the words, enlightenment being the big buzzword in these circles, um, liberation, uh, nirvana, the true reality, uh, non-self, the vast, the immeasurable, and so forth. If we keep using these words regularly, 
there is there is that which is so transcendent it's so beyond it's so far away and here I am this poor human being still trying to find my nose on the second day of mindfulness of breathing and I'm supposed to be able to reach that which is so far away not realizing that we have taken a concept reified it that means given it more self given it such substance that it gets the feeling inside ends up oh this is too big for me how could I ever achieve such realizations or such experiences and sometimes in some of the tradition Buddhist tradition as well we are given the concept and they genuinely seem so far away and then sometimes that is reinforced when teachers will say oh that experience that realization very 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 few have this it takes many lifetimes you have to be, become uh, a monk which is a bit of a problem for half the population and, and only then can you achieve uh, etc uh, like this and then it becomes an elitist phenomena a privileged uh, 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 phenomenon it gets even further away and when all of that happens you get the monasteries and the temples and the flowers and the candles and the incense and all the devotion and what is the devotion doing it's reifying something ultimate and transcendent and keeping us in a childlike con- condition that's, and that's what happens with religion instead of the spirit of liberation and, and inquiry and investigation and the, and the passion to explore truth that gets quietly forgotten it becomes the untouchables and the unmentionables and the outcome of that that religion ends up in a devotional form tragic tragic it should end up like that there's a place for devotion but it's no substitute for a real waking up there's a place for devotion but the elevation of the other the guru the god uh, the cosmos the universe or whatever and making the separation these teachings and traditions is the ending of that gap not the reinforcement of it so somehow in the ending of that gap the benefit of the deep experiences uh, uh, there we have to spot shall we say and have the capacity just to notice the precious moments that which touches us which helps to illuminate the life and here too just in uh, the quietness of the days the meditations and the processes are a contribution (coughs) towards a receptivity and sometimes the transcendent is understood one had a habit one had a pattern 
it's not been good for you, it's not been good for the other uh, there, and one has a knowledge, a knowing, and an understanding this pattern has finished. And when that habit and pattern, whatever it might be about, has finished, one has transcended the problem of it. One has gone beyond the problem of it. And this teaching of going beyond is not into some other fancy realm, not into some special state, as it were, disconnected. It is a going beyond the issue of the problem or the habit which has been disturbing one and one's finished with it, one's gone beyond it. Sometimes we look at a situation from the flower to the beautiful presence of the other to the day to a a deep uh, uh, experience and initially there is just the manifestation of the experience there is just the image there there is just the, the simple actuality of what you and I might look at and of course it's common to us you may say, oh, hello, how are you? Look at this, oh, what's happening here, uh, etc. But deep experience is the quiet, calm commitment to see deeper than what initially appears, to go beyond its appearance, to go beyond its presentation. <laughs> and we need some silences and some stillnesses and some present to see if something can come out of whatever it may be something can emerge out of it which I've never seen before someone's gone beyond its normal presentation looked more carefully and deeply and something else has emerged out of it and that which emerges out of it from a line of poetry to a single conversation to a reflection of squeezing the honey out to an interesting experience that which emerges out of something that which we look at whatever it is which is a confirmation of the infinite that which we look at which is a confirmation of the infinite has, this is important, infinite potential to realise, to make, enable us to see an infinite number of insights and expressions just by looking at one thing. We live in this. No wonder that the, some of the sages have said we don't have to go outside our front door to realise an infinite number of of insights and discoveries. So we keep our receptivity, so we say, really alive to these uh, 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 explorations there. And if you find, and have found, that some of the naming, some of the words which are used uh, are helpful, use them. 
if you have a sense and the feeling that they're making too big a gap where you are, where you think you would like to be or should be, then let go of them. Don't bother with these words. So if words like Buddha, Dharma, um, enlightenment, reality, the unconditioned, the unmade, the unformed, the unhelpful, or whatever it might be. If you just find those words a bit, all that about, and it is confusing, <coughs> drop them. No point in being attached to a word if it's getting in the way. So then that keeps the spirit of things alive. It may be, in the deeper experience, at some point in time, a word feels appropriate. Whatever the word. And sometimes people will say, yeah, thank you for this retreat, Christopher. Though the word G-O-D was not mentioned at all, but I want to thank you because I found God. And when the uh, teachings and the explorations there, sometimes we will wonder, and I think it's important this, um, how can we know, if we can, the depth of experience of another, whoever she or he may be, and the insights of another there. And with that, essentially, there are two, two criteria, uh, two important factors. If a person has some depth of realisation, uh, insights and understanding... It has an enduring value to it. It, it stays steady there. And the uh, steadiness of that is such that such a person is not besieged with doubt. There may be, for her or for him, some issues and areas of life which need a lot of attention and, and working with uh, etc and one of the ways that uh, this enduring uh, understanding of, of the other takes place um, in, in, and there are two ways and they're fairly simple and extremely pragmatic and sometimes we need to remind ourselves of this uh, one is you have to know the person for a long time. One hears sometimes in these kind of circles, the spiritual circles, the religious circles, you may go to a meeting and the teacher, the guru, the master, the acharya, whoever, uh, speaks well and clearly and illuminatingly uh, 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 so forth and one can easily say oh I've just been in the presence of a real master uh, she or he is clearly an enlightened uh, human being etc you can't possibly base it <coughs> such a view on a single meeting or a single retreat there one's just seeing the current presentation there. So one criteria 
is that you know a person for a long time. You know him or her through a variety of situations out there. And the second criteria, which is also important, is how does the person handle a very difficult situation? This tests the metal. It's rather easy in situations of uh, comfortableness, no major challenge, whether it's with regard to oneself, heart, mind, body, with regard to support, handling, dealing with threatening situations, crisis situations for another, and many other circumstances. (coughs) So if truth is touched, there is a certain freedom from the oppression, shall we call it, uh, of the past, and therefore more freedom of the being, there, if possible, to ensure that you know her or him for a good length of time, and and when there is a really challenging and difficult situation, how's the metal of the person to be able to handle that situation, whatever that might be about uh, uh, there. And I think that gives us, all of us, really a, a realistic sense of uh, human contact and communication and recognition of truth and, and the freedom of the human, human being there. So do listen finally to, those, to the, the deep of the being. It may come in a strong feeling tone. There. It may come in a very small whisper, hardly noticed. Uh, it may come just out of a reflection, squeezing the honey out. And uh, it may come through some action. And this we are deeply uh, interested in, and it's the remarkable, wonderful uh, potential we have as human beings to share a life together a really a sense of being awake with this world awake with this life meeting it fully and to meet it fully the less impact of the old habits and patterns uh, will be an immense contribution let's have our quiet minute together shall we May all beings be responsive to the deep.
may all beings realize transformative ways of seeing this existence. May all beings live with love and liberation. Thank you for lending an ear.